It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Tuesday afternoon, March the 14th, 2023. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, alongside Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter. That's right, Charlie's back on the pod. It's been a little while since we talked with Charlie, but we certainly have a lot to get into on this Tuesday afternoon. We've got NCAA Tournament Talk with the top overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Set to take on Tuesday night's winner of a first four game between Texas A&M Corpus Christi and Southeast Missouri State, Alabama, and the winner of that game set for Tuesday, excuse me, Thursday afternoon at Legacy Arena. We're going to talk some football spring practice set to get underway at the Capstone in less than a week's time. So. We've got that to look forward to as well. But first, Charlie, welcome back, my man. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back from Nashville. I'll say this. You you just listed the two teams Alabama could play in the first round. And as someone that, that worked you know, through the, the SEC tournament and tried to get stories ready for Selection Sunday, I had everything mapped out. And I'll be damned if they didn't get two teams with the longest damn names to, <laughs> to type out, to tweet, to, like, to try to plug and play. I was just like... God, I was really jealous of Auburn getting Iowa because that's just so simple. But you have arguably the, the longest names of teams in the in the field. But no, it was a good weekend for Alabama and Nashville and uh, looking forward to getting down to Birmingham tomorrow for, for practice and interviews. Yeah, got to have an open practice. I think that starts around 115 Central mm-hmm. on Wednesday afternoon with the participating teams there in the ham. Something else, man, we can't catch a break on trying to preview Alabama's first-round opponent the last couple of years, right? Notre Dame was in this situation a year ago, uh, I think, with the first four game. And now we got uh, Texas A&M CC and also SEMO. Uh, Maybe it makes sense. The last game Alabama played was against Texas A&M College Station, I guess we'll call it. And now you've got uh, perhaps Corpus Christi on tap for Nate Oates' team. Been a newsy couple of days, right, Charlie, for Alabama basketball? Uh, We learned that Brandon Miller apparently was dealing with an injury of sorts up there in Nashville. Uh, We also learned that Nate Oates' staff could be impacted by an opening at the mid-major level and also in keeping up with Brandon Miller. First-team All-American, according to the Associated Press on Tuesday. Yeah, well, I mean, truth be told, it's been a busy last two months. Um, let's no not doubt. discredit that. It's been wild. Uh, but yeah, just since they've gotten back from Nashville, um, you know, Nato Ted, uh, his radio show, um, he's on Hey Coach for the last 30 minutes or so on Monday nights. And yeah, he, he talked about Brandon Miller dealing with a hurt groin. And uh, that's impressive because Brandon had back-to-back double-doubles uh, to lead Alabama to the SEC Tournament Championship. And uh, showed some toughness playing through that. Uh, honestly, you know, being you know courtside watching those three games, couldn't even tell. So uh, he's dealing with it, managing it well. Um, uh, just had a, a hell of a weekend, really. And you're right. I mean, he's 
a guy that now he's been named to two All-American teams. You know, there's two more to go for him to be a consensus All-American. He'd be the first in program history. He's also the first player to, to be named to the AP uh, All-American first team, which is kind of crazy thinking about some of the players that have come through Tuscaloosa that has never happened before uh, to be at least a first-teamer from the Associated Press. But um, Brandon's had a hell of a season, at least on the court. And um, yeah, you talk about Charlie Henry and – um, he's a guy that's expected to take the Georgia Southern head coaching uh, opening. And um, you know, that's the first time we've seen NATO's staff really be um, poached a little bit. And it could be uh, a situation where you have multiple assistants open or um, up for, for coaching openings. You have the, the Buffalo uh, job coming open. And, and Brian Hodgson was a guy that was, um, I think, one of the two finalists when Nate left there to come to Alabama. So I think that'll be something to watch. Um, Charlie Henry's a guy, though, great guy, um, and he's really been in charge of Alabama's defense the last four years. And you look at the seasons that Alabama's been able to win the SEC. Um, you know they've been top five defensive efficiency uh, in Ken Palm, so he's done a great job and deserving. And yeah, I mean, again, it's it's kind of shocking that this hasn't happened yet. That one of those three uh, on-court assistance has, has gotten a position, but with Alabama being the number one overall seed and having another successful season, I don't think it comes as much of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, you talked about it up in Nashville, and I wrote about this probably three or four weeks ago before the Auburn game in Tuscaloosa and how the storyline involving the tragic passing of Jamea Harris and uh, the association with Alabama's basketball program, certainly to that and Regardless of what happens, I wrote this at the time, this season will always be associated with that tragic situation. Uh, felt like even then that as the wins uh, accumulated, uh, as championships came to fruition, uh, the, the storyline would continue to ramp up. Did you did you experience that from a media perspective in Nashville as far as uh, the scrutiny of this program? And then also. Uh, how Alabama, from Nate Oates to his players, went about dealing with that in that three-game stretch uh, up there? No, I think they handled it well. Um, you know, we, we've heard about opposing fan bases um, not being very welcome and saying some crude things when Alabama's come to town. There was a little bit of that um, in Nashville. Uh, before the first game, there were some, some Vanderbilt fans. There's like a little pocket of them that were yelling some things. Um, we saw the the t-shirts, the disgusting t-shirts that someone had printed. Um, and those people weren't uh, welcome back at Bridgestone arena. But um, I, I think for the most part that Nate and the players handled it well, of course, there's not much else they can say, you know, from a legal standpoint. Um, but there were plenty of questions. Uh, it, that's to be expected. This is more of a, a national stage. It's going to continue with, the NCAA tournament, even though it's going to be kind of regional for Alabama going to Birmingham, I, I expect more of that to happen. Um, you know, as early as tomorrow with uh, interviews set to be conducted before Thursday's game. But um, no, I mean they've they've handled it pretty well. But you're right. I mean this is gonna this isn't gonna stop until actually. Well, as long as the 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 trial with you know Darius Miles and Michael Davis is ongoing it, it's not going to stop I don't really know if there will be a, a complete end to it of course you know Brandon will be moving on to the next level after this season and I'm sure he'll get questions there but you know he's he's been 
a cooperating witness in this. He is not a suspect, and that's what um, yeah, that's that's remained true throughout the the whole process, even dating back just to January fifteenth when it initially happened. So unless something changes, um, I don't think Alabama is going to really change its approach. And you know, it's it's well aware that these questions are coming, and I think they're better prepared than they probably were maybe you know three four weeks ago. Yeah, the, the first and foremost, you you want justice for the family and um, those close to Jamia Harris. There, there's no doubt about that. That's first and foremost. But you also have to understand from a legal perspective, there is almost certainly going to be a civil side to all this that's going to extend into the future as well. So there's layers to the situation. Starts first and foremost with justice. That's that's where it starts. Uh, and that's that's what you want the most for for her family. Uh, but there are going to be layers to this thing and it's going to be ongoing. Uh, you got to think for quite some time to come. But what we do know on the basketball court again, SEMO and Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Tuesday night up in Dayton. I don't know a ton about either squad. We'll definitely know more about both after tonight's game up there. But I did catch some of SEMO's conference championship win over Tennessee Tech a week or so ago. That was a wild finish in that one. John Pelfrey, now the head coach of Tennessee Tech. I learned some things watching that (laughs) game, Charlie. And Andrew Still, an uh, assistant Mm -hmm. coach at Tennessee Tech. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it had my attention there for a little bit. But, you know, what I wanted to talk to you about are some keys for Alabama if it is to make a deep run in this big dance. Um I don't know. I'll start with one. How about, speaking of starts, faster starts, Charlie, that would help. Although it did seem as if in a couple of those games up in Nashville, uh, with a notable change to the starting lineup, Alabama did start a little bit faster in a couple of those games. Yeah, I think that was definitely a point of emphasis. I think it was kind of a mature decision for Jaden Bradley to, to go to Nate Oates and be like, hey, look, you know, Javon Quinterly, I think, needs to be in the starting lineup. And, you know, that was something they've discussed is getting off to better starts. You know, Nate wasn't very happy with having, you know, just a couple, maybe three points at the media, the first media timeout, the under 16 mark. And, yeah, I mean, he agreed and he put Javon Quinterly in the lineup and they were able to to get off to better start. You know, they were uh, it, it seemed like in that game Sunday against A&M, it was just going to be a you know breakneck speed from start to finish. It cooled down a little bit. Um, you know, after that first media timeout, but, um, yeah, definitely able to get off to the better starts. And I, I would expect we continue to see JQ in the starting lineup. I don't think, um, you know, they'll make many changes to that unless they just see something from a matchup standpoint. But I think winning three games in Nashville against three, um, NCAA tournament opponents, uh, I think they'll kind of go with that moving forward. But, um, yeah, it's, it's something that if, if they get off to a, a bit of a slow start offensively, that can be a problem. Um, but uh, again, what they were able to do in Nashville looks like it's trending in the right direction there. Um, you know, Nate really laid out some some good points after the Texas A&M game of kind of the the three keys for Alabama to win a national championship. And you know, I think first and foremost, just taking care of the basketball. We've seen that be an issue for this team. You know, you you've kind of find it hard pressed for them not to be and double digits and and damn near 20 a game. But if, if they can continue to do that, I think that'll be big. And Javon Quinterly's really cut down on his. And if he can do that um, and the rest of the team can take better care of the ball, that's certainly going to help moving forward. 
Yeah, I was going to say guard play as a is a big key, and 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 certainly that rel- relates to turnovers and taking care of the basketball. I would say Mark Sears, Jaden Bradley, guards not named Javon Quinterly, upping yeah. their level of play. Uh, Quinterly of late has been very good. Mm-hmm. I thought Rylan Griffin on Sunday and scoring nine points gave you some encouraging signs that he may be shaking through his late season doldrums. You know, that dynamic between Quinterly and Bradley, to me, Charlie, is kind of like a one-two punch at running back. You know, they're different in how they go about it or how they're effective. You know, maybe Bradley would be more like the physical back, like uh, Mark Ingram. Yeah. Quinterly's kind of like Jameer Gibbs, right? I mean, he's a home run kind of guy. You might get some empty carries from Javon on some <laughs> possessions, but then he might go for 10 or 12 points in about a three-minute span. How, how do you see that dynamic at point guard? And then also factoring in that, look, if it comes down to it, Nate has shown he'll put Brandon Miller on the basketball too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good analogy, kind of thunder and lightning from those two point guards. And, you know, we've seen JQ look like his old self. I think he's healthy. I think he's confident. He's making shots. And, um, you know, he just brings some offensive firepower to the position. Now, I don't think Jaden Bradley is a guy that's going to go out and get 10 a night, but he can be aggressive in, in getting downhill and getting to the free throw line. He's also um, a solid facilitator. So I think if, if both of those guys can take care of the basketball and, and get those assist numbers up and, and for JQ, he was really good at that. I think um, the game that he didn't really score much uh, against Missouri, he had seven assists. So he's definitely dishing the ball out. But yeah, I mean, too, I mean, they have solid point guard play, uh, so they don't really have to go the Herb Jones route. But if they do, Brandon Miller can certainly be that point forward for them. Uh, so, you know, that's that's certainly something But I agree with you. You're talking about like Bradley and Sears. They need Mark Sears to kind of get back to his old Find days. It. And yeah. um, for we've seen Brandon Miller. He's Brandon Miller has been great all season long. Um, and now JQ is is playing like his old self. If they can get Sears and Clowney to be like they were earlier in the season, and Clowney had a, a solid finish to the to the SEC tournament, even though he was in foul trouble um, in the championship game, you know, he's a guy that, um, or they're both guys that if they're scoring and uh, scoring consistently, then Alabama is going to have a, a really good shot at winning a bunch of games. And I, I like that you mentioned Rowling Griffin too, because he's someone that um, he had missed 17 threes uh, in a row. He hadn't made one since the Georgia game back in mid February, but he was able to knock one down against Texas A&M, but he's also very active on the defensive end. He'll go and get um, a couple rebounds here and there. And that's big because we didn't see Namari Burnett or Dom Welch against A&M. Not really sure the reason for that outside of maybe just the coach's decision and, and maybe they didn't like the matchup there, but if they can get strong, offensive showings from these guys but if guys like Quinterly and Bradley and uh, Rylan Griffin can be solid on the defensive end too and be intense on that end of the floor that's certainly something I think will will benefit them moving forward I think that that speaks for everybody defensive intensity if they can play like they did in um in Nashville against some of the the team's best players whether it's Kobe Brown or you know Wade Taylor if they can take them out and just be collectively um, efficient on that end of the floor, then that'll certainly help them out, no doubt. Yeah, that was the third and final key for me. Keep up the defensive effort that we saw 
in Nashville, and we've really seen it throughout the 2022-2023 season. You said it, whether it was a post-type player in Kobe Brown or a point guard like Wade Taylor, Alabama was tremendous against those guys over the weekend in Nashville. And, you know, what I like, too, is the best player on the floor, Brandon Miller, this isn't a guy who just stands around and watches on the <laughs> defensive end either. Right. Or when it comes to loose balls or, you know, creating steals or winning 50-50 situations, uh, he's very good at that. And, and there's no question that when his teammates see him doing it, they absolutely know they need to be doing it because he is, without question, the best player on the floor night in and night out. So when you look at Thursday and you think about a matchup against a 16th seed, regardless of how Tuesday night plays out, what do you think? Is it more about for Alabama, Alabama, than it is even the opponent? Because if we're being honest, this is a game Alabama should win quite easily. So is it about playing at a standard so that your mind, your your headspace, those type of things. When you start thinking about a matchup against a Maryland or a West Virginia on Saturday, um, you want to have a good, encouraging, momentum-building performance under your belt, I would think. Yeah, I think it's definitely more about Alabama playing its game and kind of hitting its stride. Um, again, they had a strong showing in uh, in Nashville, but offensively, they weren't just the the best performances uh, they can definitely shoot the ball better but you know Nate also talked about margin plays whether that's you know getting to the free throw line um whether that's scoring points in transition which I think they did a pretty solid job of uh in Nashville whether that's you know second chance points things like that um just winning plays and that kind of goes back to the intensity and guard play it all kind of culminates in kind of a melting pot there. But I, I think if if they can play their brand of basketball and and heck get a win in Birmingham, which hasn't happened in a long time for Alabama, um, I, I think that'll be you know good for this team. And um I, I don't think they're looking ahead by any means. And and I'll, a lot of people have made a lot about uh Nate's comments from Monday night talking about how they spent today or they were going to spend today focusing on um, Maryland and West Virginia and kind of the anomalies that those teams present, things they haven't seen this season. Mm -hmm. But they don't know what team they're going to play on Thursday. So why not? not? I mean, Nick Saban does that shit all the time. Right. So It's called, it's called advanced scouting. Exactly. And then you know? Wednesday, they're going to spend time on whoever it is they're going to play on Thursday, whether it's you know Corpus Christi or, or SEMO. So um, I, I just think, though, this is more this game is more about Alabama getting off to a strong start and, and kind of cleaning up some of the things that, um, you know, they need to. And there's not much because they had three really good wins in the SEC tournament. But, you know, focusing on themselves and and getting to the point where they're playing their best basketball, which they're starting to do. It's something we didn't see toward the end of the regular season, but, you know, continuing to kind of chip away some of that rust that they've, they've had down the final stretch. I think it'll be big for, for Saturday. Yeah. Because when you think about Saturday and I think about Maryland or West Virginia, I think about two teams that won't be intimidated by Alabama yeah, no. and even the home court like environment that Alabama should have in its favor, although it's dropped a couple of, in a row there at Legacy Arena. Um, you know, you're talking about Bob Huggins, coach for West Virginia. This guy's got Final Fours at two different programs. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Kevin Willard has come in at Maryland, 
done a nice job. The Terps actually split games with Purdue this season. Uh, lost by three to Tennessee earlier in the season. Maryland did so. You know, impressive in spots for sure. Both of these teams, uh, West Virginia, a home win over Auburn, I believe, is a part of that SEC yep. Big 12 challenge the same Saturday that Alabama didn't have much success in Norman, Oklahoma. So a lot to consider. We'll have it all covered for you there at BamaOnline.com. Let's talk some college football, Charlie, while we got you here, because spring practice at Alabama gets underway on next Monday. A little different, I guess, than some previous years where that Friday before the start of spring drills, Nick liked to have them out there on the practice field. A little bit different. Yeah, no, uh, no one practice before spring break. And uh, <laughs> with all this basketball, I don't, I don't really mind it because we can get the the first oh, two I, rounds I was with in. Yeah, and uh, then Thanks, you Nate. know, well, the two. I mean, when spring practice starts, you'll have pro day on Thursday. But if Alabama makes it to the the Sweet Sixteen, you know, that's a, a trip up to Louisville, and you can only miss pro day and no availability. So that would be. It's it's shaping up nicely for spring practice. And I, I like that maybe for once in their their lives that people inside that media relations department are actually speaking to each other. So that's that's good. But no, that's it's cool. it's crazy that you know we're sitting here mid March and we haven't had any kind of you know spring practice talk really. We've been previewing it, uh, you and I have over on the website, but no practice on the field, no interviews yet. We still got. Six days to go. It's it's a, feels a late. late calendar. Yeah. Yeah. feels late, man. feels like we're going to be in May or something. But we do know you're going to have two new coordinators for Alabama. Tommy Reese on the offensive side of the ball. Kevin Steele back for yet another stint with the Crimson side. Once again, as the defensive coordinator. New contracts, I guess, revealed on Monday via the compensation committee of the Board of Trustees. You had some other guys in addition to Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele having some good looking numbers on their deals. Uh, some other guys returning coaches on this staff got some nice bumps and extensions and talked about this in the past, man. I think college guys, college assistants more than ever are interested in moving on to the NFL <laughs> with everything that is in play right now, Charlie, for, for college football and basketball assistant coaches, uh, that next level looks really good. So it looks like maybe the money is going to just continue to have to go up for college guys as well. What were your thoughts maybe from uh, the compensation side of this thing? Yeah. I mean, both coordinators are going to get paid uh, $1.9 million this season. Tommy Reese's um, deal, both are, both are three-year deals by the way, but Tommy Reese's deal is going to increase a hundred thousand each year. So he'll be making over 2 million if he sticks around Tuscaloosa, which there's no reason to suspect that he won't. But uh, yeah, that's that's significantly more than um, Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding. So you know, dishing out some some ducats for those coordinators. And you're right, though. I mean, a lot of the returning assistants um, got a pretty hefty uh, pay raise. I mean, Eric Wolford, the offensive line coach, is 75k away from from making a million as an assistant. Yeah. So and and he doesn't have any like um, secondary titles. Holman Wiggins is making 875 now. And he's assistant head coach, uh, Coleman Hutzler, uh, you know, a lot less than those two at 595. But he's also a, a coordinator, you know, coordinating the, the special teams. So, um, you know, everybody got a, a pay bump um, besides T. Rob, Travis Robinson. Uh, he's the only guy that wasn't included in this. And, and his deal expires after this season. But he's set to make eight hundred thousand dollars this year. So, yeah, these these college guys, they have to deal with a lot, whether it's, 
NIL, transfer portal, uh, kids these days in general. But uh, they're getting paid pretty handsomely, I'll say that. They are. And then you mix in Robert Bala coming in as the inside linebackers coach. Went through a couple of those already since the <laughs> end of the season. You know, these are very impactful hires, though, from a positional perspective, because beyond the coordinator titles, um, you know, Reese obviously going to work with the quarterback, still going to be in that standalone role as a coordinator, but he certainly has experience with inside linebackers. And now you got Bala coming in as the inside linebackers coach. So, when you think about quarterback and inside linebacker, that's about as important as it gets. And uh, Alabama with some much anticipated competition at both those spots coming up in the next week or so. Yeah, um, I think Nick Saban wanted to, to make the right hires there because you're going to have some some new signal callers on both sides of the ball. And well, I mean, Deontay Lawson um, started right. four games this season, but he wasn't he wasn't the Mike. I know. Look, I've seen it. I almost don't write about it, but people love to shit on Henry Toa Toa. Um, I do think that Henry could have played better, but I don't think there was a better quarterback for that defense. And I think had it not been for uh, Henry, that the defense might have been worse without him. I think he's a very knowledgeable player. And that element of his game is going to be difficult to replace. There's a reason that Deontay Lawson spent a ton of time with Henry and learning his study habits because he's really good at that. And, um, you know, be interesting to see what Henry does the next level. But Alabama's going to have to have some guys step up at inside linebacker, whether it's, you know, Deontay Lawson's going to be a starter, but maybe he stays at the wheel. Who knows? I think he kind of slides over to the mic. But Jihad Campbell, Kendrick Blackshire, Ian Jackson, Sean Murphy, there's guys coming back and they have some some talented guys coming in, whether it's Justin Jefferson, uh, maybe a guy like Quay Russo starts out at inside linebacker. So the competition there should be interesting. And I, I mean, I, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to, to figure out that there's a quarterback competition in Tuscaloosa. And that's going to be highly debated, discussed, et cetera, um, throughout the spring and summer, no doubt. Yeah, the Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow sweepstakes coming up here in the next month or so that is likely to carry over beyond spring drills. Uh, as we expect, certainly as well. And then you think about the offensive side of the ball in general, because right now at BamaOnline.com, if you go there, you're going to find Charlie's offensive depth chart projections for the start of spring drills. And look, everyone's going to want to talk about Milrow and Simpson, Simpson and Milrow. Uh, but that offensive line, is, as you outlined, some important uh, competitions going on there where you look at a vacancy at offensive tackle, you got a vacancy at guard, you got a couple of experienced centers. And I think looking at your projections, probably what's going to catch the eye as much of as anything else, including the quarterback position is I see where you've got Caden Proctor already plugged in there at one of those guard spots. Yeah. I mean, I took the easy way out and put an or between, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson, so I figured I'd get a little bolder as the rest of it. Uh, it kind of transpired, but you know, we've seen in the past that's kind of the the trajectory of these five star offensive tackles that have come into the program is you know they get some time inside, maybe they get some time at right tackle, and then they eventually mature into the the starting left tackle before they go on and be a, a first round draft pick. And I think Caden Proctor is coming into uh, a situation where you know he can get on the field 
pretty early as a guard. Um, that's assuming that Elijah Pritchett is a, a starting tackle, and I think he could be. He was the second team left tackle behind Tyler Steen during bowl prep. Looked good now that he was healthy after missing a big chunk of the season due to injury. And uh, I think Elijah Pritchett is someone they feel really highly about. So with that in mind, and given just the really lack of experience um, at the guard and tackle positions, um, it, it kind of made sense for Alabama's highest uh, rated offensive signee to, to be among this group. Now, that being said, that's assuming Tyler Booker stays at guard. And he maybe doesn't get a look at tackle, but you assume Tyler Booker's a starter given how he played last year. I, I wouldn't discount a guy like Terrence Ferguson. Uh, I think he's someone that can make this interesting and maybe be a starter um, in his third year in the program, I believe. But um, the offensive line is going to be interesting because you look at just the the sheer numbers. You take um, you know, Dalcourt and Seth McLaughlin, J.C. Latham, guys that have started multiple games out of the equation. There's only 10 other scholarship linemen on this roster. That's not a lot. So while there is some promising young talent, um, there's just not a lot of experience and not a lot of sheer numbers. So I, I think how that transpires in the spring and, you know, trickling into the summer, the offensive line is going to be really fascinating to see how it plays out at, at really all, well, I'd say three positions because, you know, I think we know that Latham and Booker are going to be in that starting five. But at guard, at tackle, and even center with Dalcourt and McLaughlin, if they're both healthy, yeah, that could be an interesting battle as well. Hard to envision a scenario where Caden Proctor isn't the at least the next guy in. Yeah. At tackle or guard, or maybe both. You know, it could be that if he doesn't win one of those starting jobs, which is kind of hard to envision right now, but if he doesn't, let's say Elijah Pritchett plays uh, at a high, high level. And that, again, as you said, that's not all that difficult to envision and is in there with Latham at tackle. Maybe Proctor's the third tackle. Maybe Terrence Ferguson has a great spring, wins that job. It'd be nice to have a guy like Caden Proctor as a swing guy if it came down to it. Again, you know, kind of tough to envision him not being a starter in his first year in the program, but if he isn't, uh, there's depth to consider really more so at tackle than guard, but Obviously, you want to be strong in both those areas. What about tight end, too? Because as kind of an extension of the offensive line, C.J. Dupre comes in from Maryland, which is a good thing, and you have him here already as a projected starter. Makes it a lot of sense. But you know, we did see more of Robbie Oots down the stretch of the 2022 season. I guess you feel pretty good about those two guys, but another area where, from a depth perspective, you need some of these younger players, some of these newcomers from a year ago, to step forward. Yeah, again, not a not a ton of experience. And, you know, something I was just thinking about when you were uh, talking about it is you kind of wonder if it would happen because of the, the lack of numbers on the offensive line, but maybe somebody that's the odd man out gets a look at one of those pseudo tight end roles that we've seen Kendall Randolph and, and Chris Owens fill in the last couple of years because they yeah. want some beef up front. I, that's just me you know, spitballing here, but maybe that could happen. But, yeah, beyond uh, C.J. Dupree and, and Robbie Utes, um, they're going to need some guys to step up. And I think the the first guy to come to mind is uh, Amari Nyblack. You know, as a true freshman last year, we saw him get a, a good amount of reps. His role kind of increases as the season went along. And I, I don't think it's that 
big of a stretch to say he's probably the best receiving threat of the group, more of the athlete at the tight end position. And you know, that's not really a knock on the others. I think CJ Dupree can um you know be a solid receiver for Al for Alabama. But um, you know, you you want a guy that can kind of be that and be another weapon for whoever wins the quarterback job. So I think CJ Dupree at this point, I'd be shocked if he's not the starter. You know, Alabama, you know, doesn't really go out and, and get guys out of the portal that they don't think can make an impact on the team. And so with him being the, the first addition and really the one of the first players they made contact with, uh, it's, it's hard not to pencil him in there. But I think Rob Utes had a good close to the season. Um, I, I think he did some good things in the Iron Bowl. And, um, you know, he's, he's healthy and uh, another year in the program should benefit him. And all of these guys, I think, are probably pretty happy to see Tommy Reese roll into the building because he's a guy that likes to use the tight end. Uh, that was something he was known for at, at Notre Dame. And um, I don't think that's going to – I don't think they're going to just completely forget about the receivers because of the way that they've been able to recruit that position and some of the guys they have coming back. But, you know, if he can get um, C.J. Dupree and Agamari Nyblack to be um, – you know, consistent contributors in the passing game. I think this that will only help this offense. Yeah, there are so many early enrollees to factor into this thing. I mean, we talked about Proctor, but you can go to really any position, quarterback with Holstein and Lonergan on campus. We'll see about Lonergan coming off that toe injury. Uh, Chase McClellan, Roy Dell back, Jam Miller at running back, but Justice Haynes comes in there. Wide receiver, Ja'Cory Brooks, Jermaine Burton. You got the young guys from a year ago, but here comes Malik Benson from the junior college ranks to go along with some really talented newcomers like Jalen Hale. Um, you said it about tight end, Ty Lockwood, an early enrollee. Uh, Olas Alinen, uh, Wilkin Formby, Miles McVeigh to go along with Proctor at tackle. Uh, Raquiz McEldry. Um, there at the offensive guard position, I believe he's undergone a name change too. Here in the off season, uh, boy, a lot to consider with just the early enrollees. Is there is there one or two that you're you're most intrigued by, perhaps uh, other than Proctor? Um, as we look to the start of spring drills coming up here. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, I almost put Malik Benson on the one line with um, yeah. with Burton and Brooks just because. But a lot of positive buzz around him during bowl prep. You know, he's coming from the, the junior college ranks, so he has some college experience. And uh, I think there's a lot to like about his game. Now, it's going to be tough because we saw Isaiah Bond and Kobe Prentice and Kendrick Law. They all you know, got opportunities last year and, and made the most of them. I think Isaiah Bond, I had him as the, the third starter uh, because we saw him really get an opportunity when – Treshawn Holden and JoJo Earl and those guys entered the portal. Um, you know, Bond was the kind of that first guy up uh, in the bowl game. So I, I think they're going to continue to be part of this offense. But if you have Brooks and Burton and Bond and Prentice and Law and Benson, that's a hell of a, a six-player rotation. And I think that can certainly help out uh, the quarterback, the offense, uh, the new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, beyond that, I, I think it'll be interesting to see guys like Jalen Hale and uh, Emmanuel Henderson coming in his second year, mm-hmm. you know, what they can do in this offense too. So wide receiver, um, if they need better and more consistent production there, but I think there's plenty of talent that this group can be, you know, pretty good in, in 2023. Yeah. There are wide receiver one traits within Malik Benson. When you watch his tape, 
from the junior college level. He is one of those guys that legitimately, if you stick him on the outside, and you can move him around as they like to do anyway, uh, between the inside and outside spots, this dude can really change games with his ability. Hey, Charlie, I see where, by the way, A-Day, speaking of spring practice, got the ESPN Plus <laughs> designation again. Dion Prime, Coach Prime in Colorado. I guess Colorado and Georgia, really the only spring games that are going to be on the uh, the ESPN platforms, maybe for that weekend specifically. But uh, well, ESPN going to sell some more of those uh, plus subscriptions, it looks like, with Alabama on the spring game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think people were all that happy about that. But there's, you know, they're not the only ones. Uh, there's only a couple of exceptions. You pointed those out. You have. Uh, Georgia's on ESPN2 the weekend before, and then uh, the Colorado spring game kicks off the same time as Alabama's, and they're getting put on regular old ESPN. So um, the good news is Pro Day will be on SEC Network. Um, you know, we should see guys like Cam Latou and, and Eli Ricks, some others, who are going through drills. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Bryce is going to throw that Pro Day or not, and wait or wait to the second one in in early um, early April. But um, you know. Pro Day is a, a big day for those guys. Uh, but, yeah, A-Day, it's, uh, again, later this year on April 22nd. But uh, you're going to have to figure out how to fire up the old ESPN Plus and stream it online. <laughs> yes, the ESPN Plus. And, uh, but for now, it's March Madness, man. Mm-hmm. So a lot of hoops for you right there as well at BamaOnline.com. The Alabama women's basketball team, of course, taking on Baylor in the NCAA tournament. Coming up on Saturday up in Stores, Connecticut, home of the iconic Yukon Huskies of Gino Ariema. If Alabama gets a win over a traditionally powerful program in Baylor, well, they'll probably get the home team, the Yukon Huskies, in round two. But good to see Christy Curry's team there once again for the second time in three years. We'll see if they can find it going into the postseason on a four-game losing streak, need to get those shooters going, knock down some threes. Who knows what can happen if uh, Brittany Davis and the rest of those scores for the Alabama women's team can find the touch. Well, Charlie, that's just about going to do it, man. It's been too long, but certainly appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Um, Just waiting out to see what Aaron Rodgers does, keeping up with this NFL free agency, too. Uh, happy to see your Jags get another weapon and quickly. Yes. So <laughs> 20 and 0, Daddy. Go yep. ahead and just write it down. <laughs> 20 and 0. Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers. How about that list of like players yeah. he wants? I, I think he's. I think Joe Namus fur coat that he wore while he was with the Jets might be on Aaron's like wish list, demand list. That if you get me Joe Willie's fur from the uh, early 70s that iconic full-length fur coat that Joe would wear on the sideline, I think uh, maybe A-Rod will will head to Gotham. Boy, good to be Aaron Rodgers right now. That's before we talk about the money he's going to make as an aging quarterback in 2023. (laughs) Good to be Deron Payne, too. Oh, man, Deron Payne, Dalvin Tomlinson getting there. I love that for Dalvin. Dalvin's one of those guys that's one of the more underappreciated players. But, look, they had some dudes in that locker room. When Dalvin was in Tuscaloosa, but I know there's not a single guy on that roster that would mess with Dalvin Tomlinson. Well, that, that dude is, was an all-state wrestler, he was. right? I mean, like, now, 
granted, you don't know out, different kinds of combat, but if, if you're just going to get in a tussle in the locker room, no. you want to be on Dalvin's good side. I don't want to be in a full Nelson that is applied <laughs> no. by Dalvin Tomlinson. <laughs> and you know who loves this too? Quentin Williams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Guys like yeah. that. Deron Payne. Jonathan uh, Allen got paid. Yeah. Deron Payne's brain as uh, the second highest paid defensive tackle might not last very long. We'll Quentin yeah. out there. Yeah. Wow. You're right. Absolutely. Well, Charlie, thanks again. Look forward to catching it up again here soon. We're going to have complete coverage for you at BamaOnline.com, both Alabama men's basketball, football, of course, right here upon us with spring drills. Charlie, myself, Kirk McNair from the team perspective, have got you covered. And then from recruiting and beyond, recruiting and some team from Tim Watts. And then, of course, senior recruiting analyst Hank South does a great job for us as well. So, for Charlie Potter, Travis Ryder, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. Until next time, so long, everybody. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.